Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. All right, you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. I am starting a new series today. Um, About, I would say, two and a half months ago, the Lord laid this series on my heart, and I've been preparing. We're not going to get to the crux of it. Today is just an introduction, but the series is on the armor of God, and I tried to think back throughout the course of my life. I know I've talked about the armor of God in perhaps maybe like youth group back when I was a, a, a youth pastor, and I may have talked about it a couple of times, but I don't think I've ever preached a series to adults over the armor of God. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a full-length sermon series. I'm going to do an introduction today, and then over the course of the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about each individual uh, piece of armor. Uh, I don't expect to tell you a bunch of stuff you don't already know. How many of y'all have heard stuff on this before? Okay, lots of people have heard stuff. I'm not here to teach you something you don't know, but I am here to equip us. Because the one of the reasons you come to the armory is to be equipped, to be sent out to fight the good fight, to be the church. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Raise your hand if you would define your life lately as one of strength. Raise your hand if you would not define your life lately as one of strength. Okay, so. It's not your strength. Whose strength is it? Okay, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. How strong are you versus how strong is he? So be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. And if I say to you, be strong in the Lord in his strength, in his might, that's real strong. So the church is not weak if she's strong in the Lord. The church is not weak if she's strong in his might. We are not weak. When we are weak, he is. So I'm looking at a group of people who may feel and indeed be weak, but I see the strength of the Lord among you. Somebody say amen. Amen. So be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Verse 11, put on the full armor. We don't want partially dressed people. We don't want, you know what, I got some boots on, but I don't really have my head covered. We'll preach, that'll preach. You know, I'm wearing this, uh, I don't really need the breastplate of righteousness, I got a shield. We don't want a partially covered church, we want a full up armored people. So put on the, and if the Bible says it, it's important. Somebody say amen. Amen. Put on the, everybody say full. full. Put on all of the armor. Many of us want to, look at me, look at me. Many of us want to cover our hearts and secure salvation, but we don't want to control our minds. Many of us want to carry a sword, but we don't want to walk in boots that bring peace. You've got to have, you got to be, I'm going to use this phrase a lot over the next few weeks. It's time to get armored up. you got to get fully armored up, fully prepared. Put on the full armor of God. Why? Why do I need, to, why do I need that armor? So that you may be able to stand. We're going to talk about what that word stand means in just a second. But it's time to stand our ground. It is time for the church. It is time for you in your home, over your marriage, over your family, over your children. It is time for you to stand your ground. It's enough is enough of giving up space and giving up ground to the enemy. It is time to get armored up and stand our ground. Over our city, somebody say amen. Over our city, it's time that the church gets armored up and stands her ground. Not giving away an inch. Come on, who's with me? Not giving away an inch to the enemy. His kingdom is coming and advancing. Amen? Stand against what? Standing firm. Not, I'm talking about 
standing with your feet set in a secure and firm position against the schemes. If you have a King James Bible, it says wiles. The schemes, the wiles of the enemy, the devil. Let's keep on going. Verse 12. For our struggle, our war, the fight that we fight is not against flesh and blood. We love to quote this verse. We hate to live it. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but who's it against? Rulers and against powers and against world forces of this, one, my, one version says, present darkness. That the things we're currently fighting presently in darkness, that's what we're standing against. This present darkness and against the spirit. Everybody say spiritual. spiritual. Not flesh and blood, but spiritual forces. We have the most unspiritual spiritual people in the world today. We have relegated everything to the physical. And we have forgot that our battle is spiritual. We forgot that the war over this city is not what we can see with our eyes, but what we can see with our spirit. We forgot that the war of our family is not what we see with our eyes, but what we see in the spirit. How many of y'all remember the Old Testament story of a young man who was battled up and he's in that valley and all around the mountaintops? Okay, he's looking out there and he can see nothing. The only thing he can see is a great army in the valley amassed against him. And the angel of the Lord opened his eyes and then he could see the spiritual hosts of heaven all around the mountain. In the, in the good and in the evil. You have to begin to see your life and see your situations by the Spirit. You need the Holy Ghost and you need to fight against the, the spirit of darkness. Spiritual forces of wickedness. And those wicked forces are in heavenly places. Okay? Keep going. Therefore, take up the, again, second time he points it out. Full armor. Not to be partially armored, but to be fully armored by God. I just, I'm going to say more about this later. It's not your armor. The idea that you would partially put on him, his armor, weapons and defense mechanisms that he fashioned for your advancement, not your advancement, but the advancement of his kingdom by your hands. Why in the world would we say, I, this is not the situation where young David doesn't want to put on an earthly king's armor. This is a situation where God has fashioned this weapon and this armor, and you want everything he's created for your success in the kingdom. So why in the world would you only take partial armor? Well, you know, I want your helmet, but I don't want your belt. I like my truth more than your truth. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist. Man, that's what I want. I want to see a church pushing back. I want to see a church resisting the enemy. I feel like the enemy is too many times is gaining ground, trying to push back. Time for a church to get armored up and push back, resisting the devil in the evil day. And having done everything, when you've done everything you know to do, you stand your ground. That should have been an amen right there. When you've exhausted everything you know to do, I don't know what else to do. You plant your feet, you get armored up, and you stand your ground, and you don't give away an inch. We need a hard-headed church. Raise your hand, punch somebody you know who's hard-headed. You know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, the Lord prophesied over his prophet, I'll make your forehead stronger than their forehead. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Come on. I pray that the Holy Spirit make your forehead stronger than your enemy's forehead. We need a hard-headed church that won't give up an inch. Won't back down. Tom Petty says, 
Well, I... Y'all going to hell. Okay, here we go. All right. Verse 14. Verse 14. You can stand me up at the gates of hell and I... So y'all got it. All right, all right, here we go. So stand firm, therefore... There, look, there, there's two things he has said so far over and over and over again. You need the full armor, and there's a certain way you stand. It's firmly. Too much wobbly legs. James teaches us what, what uh, uh, wobbly legs are. Uh, unstable. It's a double-minded man. It's thinking God's way one second and thinking your way the next. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We need singularity of mind and purpose. Singularity of mission to take the gospel and advance it. For the kingdom of God comes by, what's your Bible say? Force and violence. Not flesh and blood in the spirit realm. Who know how to pray and take it by force. Grab a hold of the promises of God and plant a stake in the ground and say, I will not be moved. And who know how to growl at the enemy. Okay, anyway. Here's what you got to have. First of all, you have to put on a belt of truth. Second of all, everybody say truth. I'm not going to preach all these today. If you don't have truth, what do you hang your weapons off of? So you got to have a belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. You must cover your heart and your vitals in the righteousness of God. Verse 15. Having your feet prepared with a certain gospel, a gospel of peace, peace, that everywhere your foot shall walk, the Lord has given you the land, but everywhere you go, you bring peace. A lot of people, when everywhere they go, there's drama. Anyway, that that sermon's coming. Verse 16. In addition to all that, in addition to the belt and the breastplate and your feet, you got to have the shield of faith. Faith is more than a doctrine. Abraham said that faith, the father of faith, that that God is his, his... shield and his exceedingly great reward. Faith is the one thing the scripture says is able to stop the weapons arrows from getting into your heart and your life. Faith. Verse 17. So we got a belt, a breastplate, we got these boots, we got a shield, Take up the helmet, we put on, we cover our thoughts, we cover our mind with the helmet of salvation. Salvation not meaning merely making it to heaven. But salvation being the new creation who thinks as the new creation and not as the old man. Boy, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. We're going to get there one day. And I've got my head covered, I've got my shield, now I'm going to take up the sword. I'm going to lift up that sword, and that sword is a double-edged sword. It's the Spirit and it's the Word. And what we need is proper training in all of that equipment to to be equipped to walk out, to do battle. The word stand, I'm going to get there in a second, it literally means to take ground and then not relinquish it. And so to stand fully armored up, with faith and truth and righteousness and salvation and, and um, gospel and, and spirit and word to be able to take ground, to make our stand and not give an inch to the enemy. 
That's what the church. What does the church look like? What does the church look like? She looks like a, a, a bride, fully armored up, ready to make war, ready to make war on behalf of her king. Somebody say amen. I don't think she's, I don't think the bride's making war. I don't think the church is supposed to be war. We're supposed to be loving. If you love your city, you'll fight for her. No man who loves his family will allow an intruder into his house. He will fight. Our house is trying to be attacked. It's time to get up and fight. It's time to armor up and fight. All right, I got to hurry because this is taking longer than I thought it would. I'm going to come back, go back to verse 10. I'm going to come back to verse 10 later. I'm going to read it one more time very quickly. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. I'm going to finish with verse 10. Let's skip on to verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. We need all the armor. We're going to talk about what all the armor is later. But the reason we need all the armor, he's telling you the reason to get dressed in this armor is for this purpose, to be able to stand firm. I'm going to talk a little bit more about what stand means later. But what are we standing against? We're standing against, everybody repeat, the schemes of the devil. Schemes of the devil. Newsflash, Christian. The devil is real. Hell is real. Spiritual forces in darkness and high places are real. We have so unspiritualized the body of Christ, the only spiritual thing we need is the ticket to heaven. We have forgot that there is a spiritual war. There is an actual spiritual war. There's actual good. There's actual evil. They are at war. There is a coming kingdom who is trying to advance and overtake the kingdom of darkness. And it's our job to advance that kingdom. And we have so relegated everything to the realm of flesh, the physical realm, that we have forgot that our war is not against flesh. Our war is against spiritual powers. They're powerful. They abound. But where sin abounds, grace, super is the word, super abounds. And I'm telling you, the devil's real. Those things are real, and we have to fight them. But what are his schemes, his uh, wiles? the old language would say. What are his schemes? I want to talk about this for a second. I want to read you a, a, a quote from John Stott, who I've been reading some of his commentary on this, and this is just phenomenal. The devil seldom attacks openly. When we think of, the, when we think of Satan, we think of attacks, we think of the obvious, blatant, easy-to-see enemy who does these things, and we, you know, for instance, for instance, Let's just say Chester, okay? I invited a group of people to come and perform a certain ceremony at our service. So they come in, in the middle of the sermon, they come in, they bring them here, and they, put, they clear off this table. And there's about three or four of them, and they're all dressed a certain way, like, you know, long black robes. They pull out a Ouija board and some candles, and they start setting everything on the table. And then they take a, never mind, never mind. And they just start doing this whole ceremony when there's obvious satanic witchcraft. I think about 95% of you would come up and knock your pastor in the head and say, what are you doing? You've literally allowed Satan to enter into this house and perform a work. This is so obvious, can't you see it? That's not how Satan works. Many times, I want to come to people who are in lockstep with the scheme of the enemy and say, what are you doing? Now, come on, look at me. Look at Pastor Chester this morning. 
You're in lockstep with the scheme of the enemy. What are you doing? Can you not see how the enemy's working in your life? And the reason we can't see it is because the Satan is a schemer. He's a deceiver. He's not going to just roar. I'm here to destroy your life. Will you play with me? Well, no. No, no. Let me read on what it says. Preferring the darkness to light, that when he transformed himself into an angel of light, we are caught unsuspecting. He is dangerous as a wolf, but enters the flock in the disguise of a sheep. He's a schemer. Sometimes he roars like a lion, but more often is as subtle as a serpent. We must not imagine, therefore, that open persecution and open temptation to sin are his only, are his, uh, only or even commonest weapons. But, listen, he prefers to seduce us into compromise and deceive us into error. He doesn't get you to run and flee at his grotesqueness. Rather, he disguises himself as something good. Come on, I'm preaching better than your shout. He disguises himself as a sheep, as an angel of light. He disguises himself as something you would actually desire and what he gets you by common reason to back off just a little bit. Well, see, I can't allow this thing into my life because of what has happened. I'm just going to give up just a little bit of ground. Boy, I'm preaching better than your shop. Come on, I, I can, I can back up. I'm supposed to be standing my ground. I've worked hard to get my life in a place of right standing with God where I'm fighting and I'm pushing back against the enemy. But now I've reasoned myself by circumstance to kind of back up just a little bit. And what it is is a scheme of the enemy. I used to be, come on, come on, teenager, come on, adult, look at me. I used to be a worshiper. I used to be in love with him. I used to be on fire for him. I used to give my heart. I used to cry at his presence. But now I'm cold and I'm hard, and I didn't turn that way overnight. The scheme of the enemy was to seduce me and to bring compromise into my life where I just inch by inch is backed up. Little by little. Because I wasn't, A, aware of his schemes, and I wasn't armored up. I had my head uncovered. I had my heart, exp- I had my heart exposed. I'd taken off the belt of truth. I'd laid down my sword to pick up a game controller. Anyway. Sorry, Chad. Okay. Right. <laughs> or, or, or anything, okay? Okay. I, 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 uh, whatever, you know, whatever. I, 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 I was tired of combat boots, so I put on some Crocs because it's more comfortable. You're talking to a guy who wears crowd, uh, tie-dye Crocs, by the way. But, it, but, 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 listen, but what I'm saying is instead of the uncomfortable life of having to stand with a secure footing, I chose supreme comfort. Suppose supreme comfort had my feet with that. Supreme comfort, where I, where I'd rather. But at the end of the day, my idol, my idol is comfort. Don't disrupt my life. Don't inconvenience me. I'm. Parenting's hard. Marriage is hard. Family's hard. Being a being a person of integrity and character is hard. Having a good reputation in the city is hard. All these things that are worthy and honorable, I, got, I just got weary of doing good. So I kind of got comfortable. And compromise enters in. And the, the, the guy behind the curtain pulling the strings was the guy you're trying to avoid the, higher, the entire time. The schemes of the devil. So put on the full armor grab that you may be able to stand against the schemes. The cunning craftiness. It's his job. It's what he's good at. Trickery. He's crafty. He's deceitful. This is what he does. 
So many of us are looking for the obvious things that we're not considering the things that he had that we have uh, that he's in, the apple that he has enticed us with. I'm not just talking about sin. I'm not talking about. It's not about, it's not about sin. This is about the concept of I was standing ground. And my family was serving God. I was in a place where I was I was fighting, but now I've kind of backed up. Because I believed a lie. This goes back to my sermon about Father God. At some point I believed a lie, and the lie came out of the mouth of the devil. But it tricked me. Now, do I believe? And I believe there's two extremes. I believe there's a stream over here where, well, you know, Satan is just some kind of abstract figure, and, and uh, he's not really real, and he doesn't have any control over anything and, or, or the demonic forces or powers, and really it's all man's free will and free choice and all that kind of stuff, and he chooses everything. Versus all the way over here where everybody says, the devil made me do it. And there's a devil behind every bush. The truth is somewhere in the middle. You know? If I smoke seven packs of cigarettes for the rest of my life and get lung cancer and go, the devil is attacking me. Right? Right? At the same time, at the same time, I, you, you will never convince me that a thing called coronavirus is not from the pit of hell. As a spiritual attack against the world. So the truth is in understanding the enemy, but see, understanding not enough. Because he's at some point, look at me, every if you don't hear anything I say, hear this. At some point he's coming against you. If the, I want to say it like this, if he's not coming against you, you need to consider which path which what direction you're walking. Bill Johnson said one time, I've said it a hundred times, if the devil never comes against you, you're probably walking the same direction he is. So if you're walking in faith for God, at some point hell's coming against you and your family. You hearing me? You must be armored up when the moment arises. If you don't want to suffer damage, if you don't want to suffer loss, be armored up when the moment arises. Live. With your helmet and your sword and your shield and truth on your waist and your breastplate of righteousness covering your heart. Live with your feet prepared by the gospel because Satan is going to come against you. Okay, now, verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Repeat after me. My struggle... Is not against flesh and blood. Believe what thou hast said. We love to put our problems on a person. Even you. We love to blame anybody, even if that body is self. But our struggle is spiritual. Are you hearing me? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers and against powers and against the world forces of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, there's two ways we struggle against flesh and blood. The first way everybody's familiar with, the first way gets talked about all the way, all the time. It's a typical way. Unforgiveness, offense, right? You know what I'm talking about? Unforgiveness, offense, hatred, and that we take those things that are innately spiritual and we place them on a person. And sometimes we justify it saying that person did this to me. And it's, and it's a reality, but the truth is Satan used somebody to do something to you. It wasn't the plan of the person to destroy kill, steal, and destroy your life. It was the plan of hell to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And we want to take all of that wrath that God has stored up for that spirit, for Satan, and we want to put it on a person who did something to us. 
Are they responsible for what they did? That's between them and God. Somebody say amen. How God judges that situation with what that person did, he will see fit because he judges. Amen. He will do that. But as far as we're concerned, Satan did this through them. We don't have a problem believing that Missy walks up to a stranger at Walmart, lays hands on them, prays for them, and that person's healed, and we'll say, God used, the Holy Spirit used Missy to do something good for somebody. But we have a problem admitting that a spiritual force of darkness uses people for evil because we want to put all the blame on the flesh and we don't want to put any of it on the spirit. Am I saying they get out of jail free card? Am I saying they get a free pass? I'm not saying that at all. But at some point you stopped fighting a demon. At some point you stopped fighting a spirit and you focused all your attention on the flesh. And then you wonder why you kept losing the war. Because you're not battling the force behind the person. You're battling the person. And if you don't get to the root, you're not going to solve the problem. Well, I'm preaching much better. Uh, come on, pray. I mean, we, we, and you've got to attack the thing that's trying to destroy your life. You've got to attack the thing that's trying to destroy your family. People are pawns. I say that with all love. They will be used by God. They will be used by hell. But at the end of the day, we're in a cosmic war. And there's real spiritual forces. It's that we're more convinced. I, I, I'm not sure if this is true or not. We're either more convinced of the Holy Spirit than we are the demonic spirit, or we're not really convinced of spirit, period. And we've relegated everything to a ticket to heaven, and we've stopped living spiritually as people. I'm not talking about running way far to one side and seeing a demon behind every bush and seeing something. But I'm talking about being armored up as per instructed by the scriptures to fight spiritual battle. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. First question, anybody... I ask anybody who comes to me who has a problem with a person is, have you prayed? Why? Because it lets me know their, their involvement in the situation spiritually. Are they thinking only in the terms of the flesh? Or are they thinking in terms of the spirit? Almost always, if they're hanging on to a fence, no, I don't have to pray. I know what happened. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not asking you if you're praying for them. I'm have, have you prayed so that your heart would get right, that you would see things by the spirit realm and stop seeing things with fleshly eyes. And the only way you get to see it God's way is if you put yourself in the realm of the spirit. So, <clears throat> that's the first way. That's the way everybody knows behind. Uh, we, we attack a physical person not accurately assessing the spirit behind it. The second way, though, is a little different, and it's just as real, and it's not as popular uh, to preach. It's the entertaining of a spirit we would never entertain in our lives, in our home, in our circle. Hear me up real good. Every person pay attention. This is a, if, I, if I've preached something serious that needs to be said at all, this is it right here. We have entertained a spirit we would never entertain in our lives, in our home, in our circle. Because we're more aware of the flesh and blood than the spirit the person is operating in. Let me say it this word. In one word, enablement. It's just as much an infraction of this verse that we struggle because of our affection for the flesh and the blood. That we haven't considered what spirit they're operating in. And we won't refuse that spirit because how could I refuse the spirit? It has to refuse the person on some level. So what do we do? We open up the doors of our heart and our homes wide open and invite that spirit in. Enabling it because we're in love with the person that we don't. But we, we, we say we hate the spirit, but we're in love with the person. Think. Think. And so you're allowing things into your house 
into your heart, into your home because of our affection for flesh and blood, but we don't fight the spirit that person's operating in. Jesus rebuked disciples and said, these are guys he loved. These are guys who are full of the Holy Spirit, full, full of power. Where had, uh, they, they, they had just went out and laid hands on people and seen miracles and signs and wonders. And now they are so full of faith, they believe they can actually call down fire from heaven and destroy their enemies. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you I love you, but you don't know what spirit you have. You are Satan. Get behind me. And so... A wayward son or a daughter or a husband or a wife goes and gets wrapped up in a spirit and we entertain it and invite it into our hearts and our lives. And we will, we, we will because we're more mindful of the flesh and the blood than we are against the spirit. Am I saying kick them out? I'm saying fight the war where it needs to be fought. You refuse to pick up a sword and fight because you think that you're cutting a person, but you're not cutting a person. Come on. Enabling the wrong spirit because of our relationship to the flesh and the blood. We must armor up for either scenario. It's getting quiet up in here now. Truth, righteousness, gospel, prepared, peace, feet, Faith, salvation, spirit, and word. You must put them on. And I say you got to have them put on even more so when it's somebody that's been operating in the, in the, in the, in the spirit that's, that's somebody you like. Can you sit down flesh and blood and tell them you're operating in a demonic spirit and it's gotta, you got to stop this? Again, again, have a bad guy. Somebody that everyone, society has, um, society has deemed as an evil type individual. Let them come in and do something evil and we'll all reject it at first glance. But have somebody you love walk in and try to do something evil and we'll contemplate on what they're doing. And we'll embrace it until we can't embrace it anymore. And then you wake up with deception in your house. and de- Y'all hear what I'm saying to you? And you wake up with all these things that you've allowed into your home that you never would have allowed from an evil person. You think a wife ever meant to allow pornography in our home? I must be real for a second. But will she accept it? That's what my husband does sometimes. Yet some stranger off the street comes in with pornography and says, this is in my house. She would spit in his face. But we make exceptions to the spiritual war based upon the flesh and who the blood is. doesn't just say stand your ground against evil people. It says stand your ground against a spirit no matter what avenue, flesh or blood, it takes into your heart. Make sense? And so we have to be able to stand against, not a person, but again, whatever thing is entering into our, our realm. you got to be armored up. You have to have the helmet that thinks like salvation in that moment. If your heart's not covered with righteousness, then it'll be covered with affection for something that will allow you to enter evil into your heart. Verse 13. That was the hardest part. We can get back to the easier part now. Everybody say amen. Amen. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the partial armor of God. I think I said armal. Take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist to stand on the evil day. This is a very small, very small, 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 small example. And I'm just going to, it's recent, so I'm just going to say it. And again, you can live in fear and you can go, nah. I'm not afraid of nothing. I don't have to defend nothing, right? Or you can live in, uh, you can live in like whatever. Chad last night, he's like, Dad, he's 15 years old. Okay, 15 years old. This is kind of what I'm talking about. He's 15 years old. 
And he says to me, I want to go to Music Fest on a Saturday night with me and a friend. I'm not a dummy. On Saturday night, the teenager, group of teenagers walking around with everybody's drinking out of their mind. And I should just let him go. I should let my 15-year-old go by himself to Music Fest where there will be intoxication on the streets. And I should let him go. And I ask him, son, when you have a 15-year-old, will you put your son in a position to be around a bunch of intoxicated people without your, your parent there or by yourself with you and a group of friends? Do I think at all he's going to go out there and start drinking? No. Do I think at all the enemy has a plan to destroy his life? You think I want to just, hey, let me just put you out there and expose you to some things in the spiritual realm. Oh, you saying music, that's a demon. I'm saying there's demonic activity happening there. And I'm saying taking my 15-year-old and putting him in the middle of it, probably not, the, probably not really considering the schemes of the devil. Probably wanting to go, you know what, I hope my flesh and blood has fun. Because that's the point of life, right? Well, I, I was wrong, it can get quieter in here. <laughs> well, you're full of fear. You're not full of faith. If he was full of faith, he could walk in there like a giant. If I'm full of fear, then why is the, the good book teaching me to armor up and to be aware of the enemy's tactics and schemes? You hear what I'm saying to you? You hear what I'm saying to you? There's, look at me. I'm going to say this unpopular opinion. Everybody look right here. There's nothing going on over there. Look right here. Look right here. It matters who you hang out with. Every teenager in the room, you've got to hear Pastor Chester's heart. It matters who your friends are. Because you're full of fear, Chester? No. Because there's a plan of hell. It matters who your friends are. Well, Jesus went and hung out with sinners. A, you're not... <laughs> A, he did that when he was armored up and for moments of time, his best friends, the people he spent his life with were God-induced relationships. And I've watched teenagers and I've watched people, you back up an inch at a time. I'm fired for God and then here, here he comes, all looking handsome, wanting to date. And I watch you back up over time because you're not armoring up and you're not considering the plan of the enemy. This is legalism. I don't know. And all the time, mom and dad, we sit back and we go, isn't it cute? Anyway, I'm, I'm going to get off of that. Let's go to verse 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you'll be able to resist, the evil, uh, resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. To stand means this, to be of steadfast mind. It, it literally means that to, have a, uh, to be a steadfast. It means to make your forehead strong. It means to be hard-headed. It means to decide this is the way it is. Let me see somebody's Bible. Let me see your Bible, brother. To decide that this is the way it is and to not change your mind for anything. To decide that this is God's way and I don't care what presents itself. There's no other option but His way. To stand means to be unmoved. Steadfast mind. To let this mind be in you that was in Christ. I will not change my mind. This is God's way. I will not do something different that is not the way, the truth. And it's not how I advance life. So, so you'll be able to stand. The other, the other definition for standing is one who vanquishes his adversaries and holds the ground. I've said this before. To stand means I pushed back the darkness, now I'm holding my ground. I advance and then I hold the ground. I advance and then I hold the ground. 
Look at me, church. This is where I, I believe this. If I could encourage this, I believe that we are a body of people who are preparing to advance and take some hold some ground. Yes. I believe we're moving forward, we're pushing against, and we're going to hold some ground we've never occupied. You hear what I'm saying? Because we're going to advance. We're going to hold some ground. We're going to stand. And we're going to get armored up. And then when hell comes against us, we'll be able to take on the attack and advance. Yes. Because we've armored up. Because i got faith. Because I got a word and I've been delivered by the Spirit. Because my mind thinks the mind and the thoughts of God. Because there's truth in what I say. Because it's the belt of truth. My sword hangs on the belt of truth. Do you know what I'm saying? Because my heart is covered with the righteousness of God. Because everywhere my feet go, peace follows by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's what we do. We stand. We advance and we stand. Now, Take exhortation to stand side by side. Verse 10 said, throw it up there, verse 10, real quick. Therefore, take it up. Finally, be strong. Everybody say, in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Go back to verse 13, please. Take up the full armor of God. Look at me. One side of the equation is it's not our strength. It's his strength. It's his might. It's his righteousness. It's his truth. It's his gospel. It's his peace. It's his sword. It's his spirit. It's his word. It's his. It's imputed unto us. It's not my armor. It's not my armor. I cannot cover myself in righteousness. I don't have faith in myself. I don't have a word. My word is dung against his word. My spirit is only alive because his spirit made it alive. I don't have, I can't say my, my thoughts are not good, but his thoughts are perfect. So it's take on him. But I don't have armor, but I don't have anything if I don't put his armor on. Everybody say, well, it's not you, it's him. But it is only him if you put it on. I am so sick of this God puts everything on us. When the scripture tells us we gotta clothe ourselves in right. We gotta clothe, we got to put on the armor. We've got to, we got to apply the word into our hearts. So it is be strong in him. At the same time, it is you gotta put it on. If you don't put on that righteousness, then what good is righteousness? What good was the cross if you don't put yourself on it? What good was what good is salvation if you don't cover your mind in it? It's not myself. I can't do anything to save myself. But if I don't apply it to my life, if I don't take the armor, I don't put it on. I believe 100% in imputed righteousness, and I believe 100% the scripture says he who practices righteousness is righteous. Why? Because I've got to take his righteousness and I've got to put it on. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. But I put it on. But I covered my heart with it. I looked at something. I looked at this gift that I couldn't earn, and I said I want it. And so I put it on for my heart. I put it over my lungs and now I breathe a new breath. And there's a blood, there's a heartbeat that's what is in that is covered by righteousness. So you gotta, you've got you've got to understand it's his and you've got to put it on. Last verse. Go back to verse 10 and I'm done. I know I've been preaching a long time, but this one's important. Okay? Truth will be shorter and to the point. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Strong. Strength, might. There's a trifecta of Greek words that Paul uses here. Okay? There's a trifecta of Greek words that Paul uses here. The words are dynamis, kratos, and iskus. By the way, I start Greek too on Wednesday. You know what that means? Right now, not a whole lot. Okay? Not right, Jim? It means a lot of confusion. Dynamis, Kratos, and Iskus, I-S-C-H-U-S. Power, might, and strength. Was the, uh, uh, power, might, and strength. Finally, Dynamis, finally, be powerful in the Lord 
in the strength of his might. Paul uses this trifecta of three Greek words to try to describe the power. They're all kind of the same word. They're a little bit different, but they essentially mean power, might, and strength. is a, a, a perfect three-way of how, power, how powerful is God. Well, A, he's dynamite. He's, he's explosive. He's powerful. His might is mighty. Isaiah prophesies him as the mighty one. And how strong is he? I mean, I don't know. He just talks and stuff just starts exploding out of thin air. Well, actually, that's not even true. Air starts exploding out of thin air. He's powerful. So finally, instead of doing it in your power, uh, how, how powerful are you? I remember a long time ago, Chad was about this tall. And now he's this tall. He didn't smell as bad when he was this tall. <laughs> but we went to the football field and watched the, uh, the power team. Remember the power team? They had to break baseball bats and bend steel bars. and They weren't even Superman, all right? And so, and so they do all this stuff, and Chad comes home. I mean, he's little. He's not even in school yet. And, and he, he finds a brick, and he picks up a brick and throws it on the ground. Not, not, not the grass, like the concrete. And what does the brick do? Breaks, right? These, these power team guys, they had been karate chopping bricks. And, and, and Chad's like, he's three. I mean, she said he's three. Picked up a brick, threw it on the ground, and the brick breaks. I'm so strong. I can break a brick. I'm like, huh? I'm so strong, I can break a brick. And then this is what he said. Out of the mouth of babes, bad guys are devils. And then he walks all the way. Bad guys are devils. If you didn't know, bad guys are devils. <laughs> and here he is, three years old. How strong is he? In the eyes of God, do we look like strong 42-year-old men with big muscles? Nah, he's like, dude, you weak. <laughs> I mean, can you control spirits? I mean, can you call, you see what I'm saying? Can you, can you, can you move the heavens and the earth? Oh, in yourself, you got nothing. But if you tap into my strength. Oh, and don't rejoice that demons, they flee it. Right? Don't, don't rejoice that, that the dead are raised and the lame are healed. Rejoice that your name is written down in the righteous book. But hear me, hear what I'm saying to you. Hear what I'm saying to you. I got no strength to overcome some of the things that I face in my life. I got no power to be more. I can't just buck, suck it up, buttercup, and do a better job at being whatever. I have to tap into another dimension. This same trifecta of words, finally be strong in the Lord. I'm here to tell you, if you put his armor on and get in his strength, there's not a... There's, I want, you to, I want you to believe for you who have been suffering and who have been losing for so long, I want you to believe there is not a weapon formed against you that will prosper if you'll get out of your strength and get out of your own mind and put on the armor of God, put on the helmet of salvation and walk in the way of truth and righteousness and you'll find strength to overcome the things you've been losing at for years. You'll find power that you thought you had lost a long time ago. But it's not yours. You've got to use his. Yours is inefficient. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Ephesians 1 says this of the trifecta. Ephesians 1 says this. I pray that the eyes of your understanding, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Come on, this is what I'm praying this morning. I pray that your eyes are open, that you won't see flesh and blood, but you'll begin to see inside the spiritual realm. You'll begin to see the armies all around the mountaintops there to fight on your behalf. That you'll begin to see strength that you never knew you had. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What is the riches of the glory of his heritage in the saints? 
And what is the, listen, Paul starts off in chapter 1 with the trifecta and he ends in chapter 6, finally, brethren, with the trifecta of strength. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power? I'm here to tell you, you may have believed because the devil has deceived you into believing that your situation can't change, that it can't be fixed, that there's not, that the enemy has won, that you're always going to be this way. But I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm here to tell you, there is a power, there is a strength, there is a power that's not inside of you, but it's inside of him. And he wants to come down and fill your life, and he wants you to put him on. And he wants you to experience victory. He wants to, he, he wants, I mean, you're looking for the day when you hear the sound clink. What was that? It was a dart that hit my shield and fell to the ground. It used to pierce my heart, but now it falls to the ground because I have faith. There's power. What is the, what is the, sir? It's not just great. It's, <laughs> it's greatness that surpasses anything you've ever experienced before. You hear what I'm saying? It's not just power. It's great surpassing power. It's more power than you need. And it's towards us. Who? I believe that if I take up that faith and put it in front of me, it'll work. See, so... I'm talking to fighters who don't believe anymore that it works I'm tired of losing I was told this would work and I saw it work but I'm just I've, done, I've gone through season after season of it not working and I'm tired of losing I'm not even sure if it works anymore don't stop believing That power surpassing greatness towards us. These are in accordance with the working of his dynamis, right? Strength. And it's not just strength, but the strength of his might. And there you have the three trifecta. He says, start off, I pray that your eyes would be open to the trifecta of the power of God. Strength, might, right? Power. And I pray at the end that you would stand in his strength, might, and power. At the beginning, this is what I want you to see. And at the end, this is where I want you to stand. <laughs> And I want to say to you this morning, there's some of you, I hope you can see it again. And there's some of you, I pray that you start walking towards what you see. Because I want you, listen, I want you to go stand in what your heart is seeing again. Verse 20. Which he brought. About in Christ. When he raised him from the dead. And then he brought him up out of that grave and seated him high at his right hand. Where? Heavenly places. Heavenly places. The place where the battle is fought. You, yeah, I mean, these boots ain't doing it enough justice today. There is darkness and power. Where? But there's a seated King Jesus. There's a seat of King Jesus up high in heavenly places with all rule and authority over those powers. You don't lose. You don't fail. You don't lose ground if you stand in his might. Oh, in your strength, yes. In your strength, the devil knocks you down. But if you stand in his might, if you put on that breastplate, if you put on that helmet, if you grab the sword... If you hide yourself in faith, if you put on some shoes and lace them up tight with the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you take that belt and go one more ring inside, one more hole and put on some truth that it won't fall off of you, then you've got a strength in a heavenly realm.
where a king is seated and he is able to win every war and fight every victory. Verse 21, which he far above, not just a little bit higher, far above every rule and authority and power and dominion and name that is name. Go skip, fast forward to chapter 6 where, where we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against what? Of rulers and authority and powers and places of dominion. Where is he seated? Ah, he's way higher than that. I mean, that stuff is under his feet. That stuff is under his feet. He's way above all that. And what am I going to do? I'm going to take stuff he sent from that high above realm and I'm going to put it on. I'm going to go stand my ground. And I'm going to have full faith and victory that I cannot be moved. Far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and name that is named not only in this present age. You see what he's doing? Not only in this present age, but the age that is to come. Because one day, Maranatha, he's coming on a white horse and we will come with him. And we will come with him and we will make war and we will see the kingdom of our God be the kingdom of this earth. Say it. Thank you. Like the one guy, right? Maranatha. Verse 22, just in case you thought I was lying to you, he put all things in subjection under his feet. Your shame and your doubt and your worry and your fear and your anxiety and your sin and your addiction, all of it, It's under his feet. And where are you supposed to stand? Stand where he stands. And where is that stuff? If I'm I'm standing where he's standing, if I'm seated with him in a high place, then under his feet is all that stuff. But the only way you climb the mountain of the Lord and the only way you advance to his seat is you got to armor up and you got to advance ground. You can't be pushed back down. You got to take, you got to fight the fight where it's supposed to be fought in the spiritual realm. He put in subjection under his feet and he gave him Jesus as the head because he is our. Salvation. What is the helmet? He gave him our head, our salvation, as head over all things. And then he gave all that to. The church. Not the church that's sitting around having good services doing her programs and just going week to week but the church who's armored up using her weapons and advancing the kingdom are y'all out there to that church he gave power authority and dominion and to that church he gave the ability to stand and if you're here this morning and you're falling and your, your life looks like a habitual pattern of falling down and falling down, I'm here to tell you, Jesus made a way for you to stand. If you're here this morning and you want to stand, I want you to get out of your seat right now and come up to the front. Come on. Just that simple. If you've been failing and falling and you want to stand, you're tired of falling down, but you want to stand up, I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come. This is you getting out of your own strength and getting into the strength of Christ. I'm tired of falling down. I'm tired, I'm tired, of, I'm tired of falling down. I want to stand. Come on, who else? Jesus has given us 
the ability to stand. Come on, I don't care who you are in this room. If, 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 if you're tired of falling and all I want to do is stand. Come on, get out of your seat. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Everybody stand up with me. Y'all spread out across this front. This is what this row of people have acknowledged. There's something he has I need to put on. It's not your peace. It's not your power. It's not your, it's not your righteousness. It's his, and he wants to put it on you this morning. I want, I, want, I want the church to get out of your seat. I want you to come find somebody. I want you to begin to pray for them right now. Get out of your seat. I want you to come lay your hands on them and begin to talk to them, begin to pray for them, begin to prophesy over them. I want you to spend some time ministering to them. I need some men. I need some men.